You're listening to episode three of the Cuban Family Roots podcast, The Irish in Cuba. I'm your host, Aileen Vega, podcasting from Woodbridge, New Jersey. Today is March 1st, 2021, and we have an exciting episode. But before we begin, I want to wish our listeners a happy St. Patrick's Day. Two exciting announcements. Our listenership is growing, and we can now be heard on various podcast platforms. Now, before we begin, I'll lay out the foundation for what is to come. In our first segment, we'll discuss two Irish migrations, the flight of the wild geese and the railroad workers. In our second segment, our guest, a Cuban-American with Irish ancestry, recounts what led his Irish ancestors to Cuba and how he has continued his grandfather's legacy of finding their Irish roots. He explains how his genealogical journey led him to finding his Irish clan, the O'Hallorans. In our third and last segment, we conclude with our genealogy tip of the day, where our guest provides tips for how Cubans can start researching their Irish roots. This podcast was created thanks to Anchor Platform, and we will be right back. The Flight of the Wild Geese In 1691, the Treaty of Limerick was signed, which led the Irish Jacobite forces to depart from Ireland to France and Spain. This migration took place over the 17th and 18th century, and it is informally known as the Flight of the Wild Geese. The Irish favored France over Spain because it was Roman Catholic. As soon as they arrived in France, they entered into military service. The name Wild Geese came about because the Irish smuggled luxury commodities in exchange for high-quality Irish wool and Irish military recruits. Those Irish recruits were equally priced and referred to in the ship's cargo log as the wild geese. They did this to hide the illegitimate recruitments. This name was stuck and they were known as the wild geese. The soldiers were recognized for their courage and their fighting skills and so they formed the Irish Brigades. They were most prominent in the service of France. These soldiers were active in Austrian, Italian, and Spanish armies as well. In fact, in the latter decades, the wild geese continued to flood into continental Europe from Ireland. The Irish troops in Spain service returned to Ireland and fought in the armies of Confederate Ireland, a movement of the Irish Catholics. The Confederates were defeated and around 34,000 Irish Confederate troops fled Ireland to seek service in Spain. Some defected to French service, where they felt conditions were better, but during the Napoleon Wars there were still three Irish infantry in the Spanish army, Irlanda Infantry, Hibernia, and Utopia. Some of these regiments came to serve in the Spanish colony of Cuba. This information was taken from the article by Rafael Fernandez Moya, The Irish Presence in the History and Place Names of Cuba, Volume 5, November 2007. Coming up next, the migration of the Irish railroad workers. We'll be right back. And now, let's talk about the Irish railroad workers in Cuba. 
In 1835, 300 Irish railroad workers had been contracted in New York to work for the Cuban Railway Commission. It was estimated that the workforce of 1,500 men would complete the excavation. The Irish recruits are described as being semi-skilled with experience in explosives and railroad construction. Many of the men either die due to poor labor conditions, while others may have fled or stayed in Cuba, but this number till today is unknown. The first stretch of railway to Bejucal was inaugurated in 1837, and the line there from Guinness was put into service the following year. During my cemetery project of Bejucal on finalgrave.com, as I was uploading pictures of tombstones, I came across the Murphy family tombstone. Who knows, maybe they were descendants of the railroad workers. Coming up next, Prohibition. We'll be right back. Prohibition and its tie to Irish settlement in Cuba. Prohibition in the United States was a constitutional ban on the production, importation, transportation, and sale of alcoholic beverages. This ban extended from 1920 to 1933. Irish influx to Cuba occurred at different points in time. Although we don't have a lot of evidence, it's been said that during Prohibition, many Irish bar owners from Boston and New York settled in Havana, Cuba. In fact, an Irishman called Donovan moved his entire bar from Newark, New Jersey to Havana. Before we conclude this segment, I want to mention, much before the potato famine, Irish people migrated to the Spanish slave colony of Cuba. Some of the first registered settlement of Irish communities in Cuba date back to 1817, though Irish individuals and families found their way either voluntarily or by force. We cannot conclude this episode without mentioning the notable Irish generals, merchants, and other sons of Ireland, such as O'Reilly, O'Donnell, O'Farrell, O'Gaven, all who identify with the anti-colonial struggles of Cuba. We'll be right back. And now we will conclude this segment by mentioning all the notable Irish generals, merchants, and other sons of Ireland, such as the O'Reilly, O'Donnells, and O'Farrells, among others, who surnames can be seen all across the island of Cuba. In the 19th century, many people arrived in Cuba. Amongst them were the Irish migrants, who, although few in numbers, played a significant part in the affairs of the island. They were engaged in occupations that were crucial to the development of Cuba. Many Irish merchants had important roles in Cuba's international maritime trade, and also in the introduction of machinery, railways to install, operate, and maintain the steam engines that were being introduced into the sugar mills, mines, and railways. Irish professionals were noticeable in areas such as medicine, teaching, and engineering. The Irish planters escaped the abolition of slavery and established themselves with their slaves in the Cuban countryside. 
It is also important to point out that a significant number of Irish migrants in Cuba were also women. And now, let's mention the notable Irish and Cuban Irish whose names and surnames will forever be engraved in the history of our island. Ambrosio Duali was a counselor and representative, commander of the city's militia and owner of a sugar plantation. He died in Santiago de Cuba in 1738, and one of his descendants, Andres Duani and Valiente, received the title of Count of Duani in 1864. Throughout the 18th century, citizens with the surname Duani held office as council members and mayors of the city hall of Santiago de Cuba. In the middle of the 20th century, a central neighborhood in the city was named Castillo Duani after Demetrio Duani. In June 1798, Sebastian Candelan Oregon, son of Vicente Candelan originally from Bailing Mahon in the county of Longford, was named political and military governor of Santiago de Cuba. Two geographical points in Cuba bear the name Candelan. One of them is a Cupeya neighborhood in the municipal district of Morón and the other is a neighborhood in Matanzas, near the border with Sahuala Grande. General O'Reilly is remembered for having organized the military forces on the island's black and mulatto militias. In honor of his achievement, one of the main streets of the historic center of Havana was given his name. Also, a stop on the railway line situated in the municipal district Quemado de Guines in Saguala Grande, in the central region of the country, also bears the name O'Reilly. Richard O'Farrell and O'Daly was a native of the Caribbean island of Montserrat, a descendant of a family whose lineage traces back to County Longford. The surname O'Farrell appears in the family tree of almost all of the Havana families with notable titles. In the neighborhood of La Vibora, in Havana, there's a street called O'Farrell and another called Alcalde O'Farrell, after one of the Irishman descendants named Juan Ramon O'Farrell, who shared the city hall of Havana at the beginning of the 20th century. In fact, today, two splendid mansions bear the name O'Farrell in the old Havana area of the country's capital. One is Hotel O'Farrell, which is the home of the Archbishop of Havana. In 1801, Jose Campinger, an infantry colonel, was governor of Bayamo in the eastern region of Cuba. Juan Thierry and Lacey was responsible for mapping Isla de Pino, modern-day Isla de la Juventud. He went with the mission of analyzing the pine trees to see if they could be used for the ships in the Spanish Navy. In honor of his contribution, the geography and northernmost point of Island de Pino was called Punta de Tirri. In Havana, Juan Tirri was the engineer and general and twice mayor of the city. In 1816, Tirri was governor of Matanzas, a city where one of the streets also bear his name. On the 21st of December, 1826, a ship called Revenue entered the Baracoa port in the extreme east of the island with 40 people on board, arriving from the United States. These settlers 
were mainly from Ireland, Scotland, and the United States. The Irish group was formed by the laborer Jose Ocon and his wife, Richard Powers, his wife and child, Lawrence Hager, his wife and child, Robert Irving, Peter Higgins, Matthew McNamara, the carpenter Patrick Oven, James McNamara, John Blakeney, Simon Dorn, and the blacksmith Michael McNamara. In June 1855, a boy named Juan Burns, whose father was Gregorio and his mother was Margarita Burns, was baptized in Havana. This surname became part of the heart of the intellectual community of Matanzas. This happened through the educational work of Juana Burns de Clayton, the first headmistress of the school for poor girls. This school would later become the Casa de Beneficencia, founded in 1846, and later through the literary work of the poet and revolutionary journalist Bonifacio Byrne. During 1861 through 1936, Bonifacio Byrne earned the title of national poet of his patriotic independence work. A street in the Los Olmos neighborhood in Santiago de Cuba bears his name. One of the streets in Cienfuego was given the name of the infamous governor of the island, Leopoldo Odano. Many Irish surnames appear as part of the toponymy of Cuba. Besides those already mentioned, names like O'Nayton, O'Kelly, O'Burke, O'Donnell, Commons, Mayton, and Campbell, amongst many others, are the perpetual testament of the Irish in Cuba's history. Coming up next, my interview with Adanis Reyes, a descendant of one of the Cuban-Irish families in Havana, Theo Hallorance. Thank you for joining us, Adanis. Uh, today, as you know, we're talking about the Irish presence in Cuba. And the reason we have invited you is because... Um, you have Irish um, ancestors that came to Cuba in the 1700s, and we would we would like to uh, more about your experience and how you were able to develop your family tree. So, why don't why don't you tell us um, how did you get started um, in your in your genealogy and finding your Irish ancestors? Uh, well, I thank you, I think, for inviting me. This and you know, very very excited about this opportunity. I appreciate it. But yeah, um, I I found out um about that I had Irish uh, inheritance because of my granddad. My granddad used to tell me, um, you know, when I, when I was a kid, probably like nine or ten years old, um, he used to tell me that his dad was doing research and that his last name was a uh, Irish last name. At the time, uh, they didn't know how to pronounce it. So the last name, how you pronounce it in English is O'Halloran. And how they would say it was O'Halloran. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't make the pronunciation right. So that was the first time I heard the last name was said like that, O'Halloran. Uh, so it was kind of, for me, it was kind of like uh, intriguing and amazing at the same time that uh, I found out that, you know, Irish, you know, uh, I, I never imagined 
that, you know, I was going to have, a, you know, a inheritance from Ireland. I know that I have from Spain and Portugal, but not from Ireland. So the way the way that it went was something like this. Um, he, he used to say that his dad was a descendant from Irish that came to Cuba in the mid-18th century. And also that they were noblemen and had a lot of lands in Ireland and England. So my, my grandfather used to also tell me that his dad had a green folder that had all the information of the Halloran family from the first O'Halloran they came to Cuba and all the way uh, to, to him. So I was very you know, intrigued and I asked him, you know, what happened to, to those papers, those documents? And he said, you know, that in a, some reason to something that happened, uh, some reason he got mad and he couldn't leave the country, you know, Cuba being a, a totalitarian regime in 1960s, you couldn't even, you know, talk to your family that were living outside, you know, in America or send any documents. So when my great grandfather left Cuba in 1967 for America, he left those documents behind and never was able to, to retrieve them. So my grandfather, after the passing of his dad, he kind of got mad that he didn't do anything or leave the country or whatever. And he burned those documents. So he burned everything. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Wow. In the backyard. Uh, my grandma used to tell me that, that she, she saw him burning everything. It's like two folders. But what's amazing about this story is that I started when I was nine years old. Then I stopped because in Cuba, as you know, it's very hard to gather any sort of information on, you know, the records or whatnot that go far back into like 1700s, you know, 1700s. And um, so I kind of stopped until 2005. I was able to come over to America. And, you know, thanks for the Internet, I started doing some research about that last name, last name in particular. So you never forgot about about never that. never that was you something that in your mind yeah that was something for me that was in the back of your no it was a question also I promised my grandfather that I would find out what happened to his dad and what happened to you know so find out where he came from and that was my promise for him so I started to you know because of the internet thank God for the internet I started to to um, looking you know doing some research online and. In groups and ancestry and family, uh, family uh, search and all that, and I came across some forums that talk about the Halloran, but you know, in Cuba, but not too much information. Some information like they were there already in the 1800s, early 1800s, but no mention of a name or or nothing else. Um, let me let me ask you a question before before you move forward in your story. Did Luis? O'Halloran, did he come um, straight from Ireland or was his migration from Spain to Cuba? Well, okay, Luis O'Halloran migrated from uh, from Ireland to Spain with his wife and I think he had like five or six kids. So they went from, from, from Ireland to Spain, to Cadiz because of the, you know, the problem that was going on with the Anglican Church and the Catholic Church. They were Catholics. A lot of Catholics had. So this was during the flight well, of the wild geese. I think yeah. Was that yes. So. Okay. They had to leave Ireland because uh, their belief. So Spain, being a Catholic uh, country, kind of opened up their you know doors to all Catholic brothers 
that came from Ireland. And because most of them were nobles back in Ireland, they also had positions to do in, you know, in, in the government in Spain and had, you know, well, uh, and well set, uh, I'll say, uh, you know, like they have businesses and they have, they're, they're more like, uh, able to, to, to have a good life in Spain. So that's why they did. They, they went from Ireland to Spain. They started being, they were merchants and from Spain, the records that I found that, um, talks about Luis and his wife and this one particular uh, record that I found in San Chris, Kitts and Navis as like a island in the Caribbean, very close to Cuba. And they were there mm -hmm. selling some land from uh, Pascual's uh, uh, wife's parents that passed away and they were selling that land to somebody. Uh, I don't remember the name, but that's what the first time that I saw their name, you know, Luis O'Hallon and Marquez called. Um, then I was able to, to find some other documents, like a testament that he had to write on a trip that he made from Cuba to Spain because he was trying to go to Ireland because his brother passed away. It was in 1735. He was trying to get to Ireland to claim some uh, lands and properties that his brother left for him, but he wasn't able to do so because of the problems that were going on at the time. So in that testament, he mentioned that he was already in Cuba as for uh, 1719, he was already in Havana. So they're being in Havana from early uh, 18, 18th century, uh, you know. So it was, was kind of amazing for me to find this information because there I was able to, to uh, get more uh, information about his family, whose mom was, his dad, what county they were. That's why I was able to find out that his parents, they were cousins because the Halloran, the Halloran last name, in Ireland, it's one of the oldest um, last names of families in Ireland. They had two clans. They had the clan from County Clare and the clan from County Galway. And my ancestors were from both clans. Uh, Louis O'Halloran's parents, his mom was from County Clare and his dad was from County Galway. So it was kind of... So they were both O'Halloran? They both O'Halloran. Both of his Yes. So, oh, wow. so there were the different variations of the last name. You can find it without the O and apostrophe. So just Halloran. And that's how there's some records that uh, in Spain, for example, the record in Spain that I found, it's uh, only Halloran. They don't put the O with the apostrophe. But in Cuba, they were, they were uh, you know, like put down on records with the O'Halloran, the O apostrophe O'Halloran. So there's different variations, but the same family, you know. So it was pretty interesting to find those sort of uh, you know little bits of information that I could gather, and was able I was able to kind of continue my research. So that's great. You know, so it's it's for me it's been like a like I said it was been a roller coaster because and I was gonna I want to mention that. Um, uh, I want to say thank you to you because you know you, you kind of got me in contact with someone in Cuba that was was able to trace back all the patterns in Cuba and, and all the documents that my great grandfather had and my grandfather burned down. Uh, it's amazing because uh, right now I'm pretty much I'll say 95 or 97 percent with all those documents in my position. So it's pretty amazing. Thank you so much. So you have been able to recover them. Yeah, most, most. Not necessarily from 
from him, but you were you have been able to replace what he yes. had uh, by through your own means. Yes, I went I went back uh, following his steps, you know, and for a little bit of information I gathered from the documents and in uh, from England, I I was able to 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 search and look for a specific document so I could get more information, more specific information, and then names and dates and you know all this. So um, who else did, did you did you contact anyone else here in America after you came? Um, did, did you find uh, Luis or Howard? Well, no. Um, one of the the things that I I you know was able also to do through through the groups and ancestry. You know, I, I was you know always looking for information there. You know, posting questions. And uh, there was one time that I got uh, I, I got to uh, one of those groups, and I saw a similar question to you know like my question. It was from a, a family uh, Halloran, you know, Halloran last name, that they live in Puerto Rico, and um, I tried to contact them. I you know I got actually I got in touch with them through another uh, person on that group. And at the end, we when we compare when we compare information, the information that I had and the one they had was some sort of somehow similar, but there was like the last name was kind of backwards. And what happened was that I never I never knew that my great grandfather had a brother that came over in the like 1920s, like late 1920s, to work for some cousins in Tampa in a cigar factory. Actually, um, even before then. He had a, um, there was like a factory in Tampa, Igor City, uh, was a Halloran cigar factory. And they were all descendants of the Halloran from Cuba that moved to, to Tampa and kind of built the city, you know, and they had a, a cigar factory there. So this cousin, well, I mean, sorry, this uh, brother of my great grandfather went to work for them. And then um, being in Tampa, I think being in America also, he, uh, he wanted to succeed, you know, to be, more successful. So what he did was he removed his uh, Spanish last name, so the Aliaga last name, and then kept the O'Halloran. And his uh, his um, name was Jose Jesus. So he kept it to Joseph. So Joseph O'Halloran, you see? And he was, you know, first kin, tall, blue eyes. You know, he was uh, an Irish person, basically. You look at him, and I've seen pictures, and he just looked like an Irish person. Also, my great grandfather was like an Irish guy. Um, so he, you know, I found out this information through this group, and all of a sudden, I found out that this person was indeed my great grandfather's uh, brother that had been long lost. And so I found a family in Puerto Rico, in New York, wow. you know, and then we hit connection. And and I remember um, that um, we were talking already, and we were pretty sure that we were you know, related. Uh, you know, still the doubts, you know. But I told him, his name is Juan, Juan Ojala. I told him, hey, Juan, I'm going to go to Cuba and visit. So give me the date, you know, your, your grandfather's birthday. And I'll go to the, I know where I have to go because I know for a fact, I mean, I have a hunch that he is my great-grandfather's brother. So indeed, that's what happened. I went to Cuba. I went to the, to the records, you know, to the Registro Civil. And, um, and I went there and I gave the date and exactly was that person was, and then I was able to also get all the other 
brothers and sisters from my great grandfather and you know the same information. So I was I I came back to America and I sent that document to him. He was so so happy because he didn't knew that much about that brand of you know that branch of uh, his family. You know he didn't know anything about his grandfather, just a little information. And you know being able to connect connect the, that long lost uh, you know family for me it was amazing. You also told me that uh, uh, Jose Maria O'Halloran was the first. Uh, yeah, judge. I think it was the, a first, the first judge, judge of the city town. of Artemisa. Actually, he, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was also a founder of Artemisa uh, in the early 1800s. Yeah. Really? So he, he owned some land in Artemisa, was now known as Artemisa, but before it, was to, it used to be called Corral de San Marcos. He owned some land there. And I think some people or neighbors, they're trying to, you know, to create, they wanted to create a, a town, you know, in that area. So they come together and create a town, a city. So that's what, you know, he was part of that. And uh, so, like I said, he was the first judge uh, of the city of Artemisa. The house where he, where he lived still stands today, today. And, you know, it's like, I think it's a pharmacy, I believe. I have pictures of it. It still stands after almost 200 years. It's amazing. Wow, that's amazing. You also told me that um, one of the O'Hallorans played a role in the Cuban Revolutionary War. Yeah, Can yeah. You, um, tell our yes. listeners about correct, that. Correct. Yeah, so there, was, there were three brothers, or more than that, but the three brothers that were involved in that were um, the owners of the O'Hallorans. So they were, um, the name were uh, Blas Stanislao. And Rafael O'Halloran, Hernandez O'Halloran. They were, they were the owners of the O'Halloran cigar factories in Tampa. So, um, so what happened was back in 1895, um, Cuba. They were trying to to create a you know to, to go to war uh, for the independence of Cuba from Spain. And the story that that went to you know to start the war. Base of a cigar that was rolled at the Howard Cigar Factory and taken to Cuba with a secret message in one of the cigars to, uh, I think it was going to be sent to um, one of the, the generals uh, in Havana. And that message was to, you know, all the coordinates and everything, how the war is going to start, when the date for the uprising uh, and all that stuff. And it was pretty amazing because. Um, Stanislao Halloran was a very close friend with Jose Martí, who's the apostle, you know, like of Cuba, of Cuban uh, history, revolutionary history, um, the 1800s. He was very close friend with Jose Martí, and and um, I think uh, they they want they want a place where to you know to, to actually come up with this cigar, and uh, so they chose um, the Halloran Cigar Factory for, for that to, to roll the cigar. So it was pretty, you know, that that there was five uh, Panetella cigars that were made. They're all identical, but the one concealing the message was uh, called the, the cigar of liberty. It was distinguishable because he had two tiny mm -hmm. yellow specks on the tobacco wrapper. So then 
days later, later uh, another patriot named was Miguel Angel Duque de Estrada um, was the one who took the, the cigars and delivered it to Juan Roberto Gomez in Havana, who was the insurgent chief of the island of Cuba. So he, Miguel Angel Duque de Estrada took the cigars to, to Havana. With, with the order for the war in 1895. So this is a very, you know, for me, it was a very amazing story also. Yes, mm -hmm. very, very amazing. Let me ask you, can you, can you acquire like an Irish or European citizenship as a result of your, your ancestors? You know, I don't know. I, I mean, that would be great. It would be awesome if I could do so. I'll be basically the, the fulfillment, you know, that would, that would be like the, the top for, this whole thing that I've done from basically my whole life, you know, uh, that would be amazing to honor my, my ancestry and my inheritance, you know, being Irish uh, descendant. Uh, I mean, hopefully one day, I, you know, that, that it could be done. I, I'm trying, I'm, I want to, you know, get more information about that if it's possible to do so. So that would be awesome, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you been able to find any records in Ireland? Have you been able to move forward with that? Yeah. With that well, yes. In Ireland. What was the experience yeah, in Ireland, like? In Ireland, um, I found um, Luis's uh, father's uh, death. Not the record itself, but you know the the par the parish where he was. You know uh, the records is settled, right? So uh, it was in Tuam, and I think it's another county in, uh, in Dalwa City. It's a place called Tuam. And it was from the 17, um, I think it was 1760, no, 1756 or 60. And it shows that, you know, he was the day that he passed away and it's, you know, on those records. That's basically what I, I was able to find in Ireland. Um, you had to also know that in Ireland, a lot of uh, churches were, you know, Catholic churches were burnt down, you know, for the Anglican and Cromwell and all that, the stuff that was going on at that time. Um, and many of those records were lost, but yes. many of them were saved because um, what Ireland and also Scotland, I think, you know, those uh, countries that have a lot of Gaelic roots, they, they record their, mm -hmm. their lineage from father to son. So basically, it's, you know, I've seen samples of, for example, I think it was the O'Reilly's uh, um, family tree that goes back to the Wow, 300, 200, you know, AD. That's amazing, you know. It was like word of mouth, but they would they would transmit that information, pass it down to their relatives, you know, the kids. And so it was a, it was amazing for me to find out that, you know. So it's yes, and there's a lot of parishes still. I think the library, the International Irish Library, National Irish Library, in Dublin, they have a lot of those records. I mean, not that far back but uh, most some of them you know from the parishes there's there are uh, digitalized and they're online you can go and search it for free i think that's where i found um, that record that i told you about from my eighth uh, great grandfather amazing um as you know in one of our segments in our podcast is to provide um genealogy tip of the day So if, if you were to provide some, some tips to someone who's Cuban and has found out that they have, you know, Irish lineage, 
what kind of advice would you would you give that person? How can so they get? So my started? main thing is, and the number one for me that helped a lot is to ask questions, to to talk to your family, to you know see you know the abuelitos, the abuelitas in the family, then you know, your grandparents, whatever that maybe know something about it or heard stories about it, like I did with my grandfather. You know that's the the the, the starting point. That way you can gather some sort of information, either the last name or or names, you know, people that might have that last name. So, and then based on what you get, you gather that information, then you start doing your your math. You start thinking, okay, so now I'm going to start looking for information on this surname, this last name, you know, or, you know, and like I said, I know the research, I know that internet in Cuba right now is kind of starting, you know, and, you know, there's not that much that can be done, but uh, internet, that's the other, that's the other uh, tool that I'm, I used and it was very helpful to me going to, like I said, to the uh, uh, Ireland National Library you know, online and, and look for those records, you know, at least type it in the last name and see what comes out. That's what, that's basically what I did. You know, I was lucky, I guess, but uh, never give up. Always uh, try to, you know, think positive and, and try to, to uh, look for information and, and help from people that know and done this before. That's another thing, you know. There's a lot of thoughts uh, and and, mm -hmm. and uh, groups on Facebook and out there that can help, you know, posting questions. And you never know what you're gonna find out. Are there any groups that that you would suggest that they join? Yeah, uh, on uh, Family Tree DNA, there's um, you know, they have different like groups and stuff, and I was able to find an Ohalderan group there. And, uh, you know, I, I, I gathered quite information over there, you know, asking questions. And if you take your DNA test, you can compare, like, you know, the uh, DNA kids number to other persons and do it through uh, uh, Net, And um, and you can uh, see if you guys are related, and then you go from there. So, wow, you know, we have some, some you know, we're related. Let's see where this comes from. You know, if it's a great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, you know, who knows, maybe. Right. You can find some uh, information useful and beneficial to you on your research. Well, thank you so much, Adonis. You have given us a, a great history of your family, and thank you for for the tips. And the last thing that I want to say is the same to you. Thank you so much for having me uh, on your you know, on your podcast. Uh, it's the first time for me. I don't know. I'm a little nervous, but. Thank you so much. And maybe, you know, because we, we are related. We're cousins. I don't know if because through the, the Villarreal, but if you have Irish, who knows? Maybe we're related to the O'Hallorans. You know, that, that would be something cool. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> maybe we are. <laughs> so thank you so much for, for having me. I hope you enjoy another episode of the Cuban Family Roots Podcast. This podcast can be heard on various platforms such as Apple Cast, CastBox, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, to name a few. We're always working to improve and bring topics of importance to you. Please drop us an email if you have suggestions. My email is cubanfamilyrootspodcast at gmail.com. We ask that you share this podcast with family and friends. This podcast, The Irish in Cuba, was produced by Eileen Vega and sound engineered by B. Torres. Be on the lookout for new episodes in April and May. Thank you for tuning in and happy St. Patrick's Day.